Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. He's probably off in a galaxy far, far away, maybe on Tatooine. But running the boards is Joey D's Wednesday. It is Wednesday. And on this Wednesday, we will discuss episode three of the Book of Boba Fett. Vicky will give some TV talk with Crossing Swords and Big Mouth. Joe's going to talk about the uh, the Witcher, and we'll get to the geek sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 Or just search BJ She's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find us. Yes, so many ways to find us, to listen to us, to interact. And you can do so by even sending us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com, which one of our Geek Nationals, Ryan, did. He did say, well, hello there, Geek Nationals. I've been a longtime casual Marvel fan since I was a child. I say casual because my only real exposure to Marvel was the TV shows and the movies. Since the uh, the awesome productions of the MCU, it's really ignited a passion for those characters in me. This combination with listening to Geek Nation, my curiosity has become a huge fire making me wanting more, more, and more. (laughs) And more! More! More. So now I want to turn to the actual comics. Geek Nation, what would you recommend as far as getting into the deep world of Marvel Comics in terms of getting the most bang for my buck in terms of content fulfillment at the cost slash value? When I look online, I get overwhelmed by the numbers such as 25,000 issues in print production. Thanks for your time, and all you rock, stay nerdy. First off, thank you, Ryan, for getting a hold of us. Um, the one thing that I would suggest at this point, I even hit him back up on the email to let him know, was go to um, your local comic book store. A lot of the times there's an expert there, someone who's been running the store for a while, who will be able to help you out with that. Or you can even Google up, looking up the terms of like the best arc for, and then just kind of go with your favorite characters or your team. So you say, oh, the best arc for the X-Men or Avengers, Fantastic Four, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, etc. Etc. Because there are so many comics out there, like you said, you can get totally overwhelmed when it comes down to something like that. So I feel that picking a character and going with it might be the best way to go about it, at least if you know exactly who your favorite character is. Uh, any of you guys have any uh, other suggestions for Ryan here? Uh, you know, I don't actually don't read a lot of comics, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you're, the point of uh, picking a character you like is uh, important. I think ones that are very different... In the comic book world, would probably be characters like Spider Man, who have a lot more villains that you don't see. Mm-hmm. Maybe like the Fantastic Four, in the sense that you see villains that you might see later on in the Marvel universe that you wouldn't get, you know, in the uh, you know superhero origin stories kind of a thing. Because unfortunately, the Fantastic Four movies, uh, uh, well, yeah, those are a little um, uh, iffy at best. Yeah, I think Iron Man's a little different too, uh, in terms of movies to comic books. Yeah, uh, uh, but I think, I mean, for me, and it's not DC, it's Marvel, or it's not Marvel, it's DC. Would be Batman. I mean, Batman has, I think, the Killing Joke has been recommended a gajillion mm-hmm. times. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And there's been a couple of times where Batman wasn't even Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can kind of look at those different arcs as well. Uh, funny enough, one of the ways I got into some of my favorite comics, or at least one or two comics, was I went to Europe with my cousin, and she brought a couple random comics, just she was told they were good, 
And we also found some, like when we went to hostels, people would leave behind books and comics for other people oh, to read. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I thought that, like, I, that's how I came. Like, she found, um, oh, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, I keep wanting to say Dead Velvet, but that's not the right <laughs> Dead one. Velvet, pretty, wow, geez. Pretty deadly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my mind actually went, my, my buddy and I, Chase, we always end up getting each other comics or comic-related things. And one year, he went and got me a bunch of different comics, like of his favorite comic books. And inside of them, <sighs> he put, like, their trades, and they weren't super expensive or anything, but he wrote down why he loves the book and why he thinks I would love it. And like all different, like he got me a couple Batman ones, like he got me Chew, like all these different ones. But this year he got me one and I found it super fascinating. A good a good thing you could check out is Kickstarter, honestly. And he's Oh yeah. He told me that this Kickstarter has been two years in the making for him because he got it forever ago. But between, you know, COVID and like some personal stuff with the art artist and writer and all that stuff, it took forever. But this is one of the most beautiful comic books I have ever gotten. It is called La Mano del Destino. The Hand of Destiny? Yes. Yeah, look at that. Nice. I'm multilingual, everybody. And the cool thing about this comic book, <laughs> it's one of those you can read it one way in Spanish, and if you flip it over, you can read it in English. Oh, neat. And it's such beautiful artwork with like really sharp greens and yellows and pinks and stuff. But it's about, it's a nonfiction book, La Voz del Mayo Tato Rambo, which is, it, it's basically of a luchador. And it's his story. Oh, neat. Like Lucha Libre. And one of the things my buddy pointed out, and <laughs> if you don't know about this, they call it a, I call it the third world filter. A lot of times when it's books or movies or shows and stuff, when they do anything in Mexico or a Latin American country or even maybe um, a Middle Eastern country, there's always this weird orangey yellow tinge mm -hmm. to make it look like a quote unquote third world. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of racist. And it's it, it feels kind of weak in my uh, my opinion but to see something that has such beautiful like color to it that really not only shows off the characters but shows off a bit of our culture mm -hmm. it, it's just awesome and it came with because he got the kickstarter version the book came wrapped in its own little paper like luchador uh, belt <laughs> like a wrestling belt i'll have to take a picture and show it to you guys because it is gorgeous i cannot wait to read it but honestly Hit up your friends, even if it may not be a story or a character you could relate yeah. to. Like, like I'm not a wrestler, but like my buddy's like, you know what? This this reminded me of you. This made me think of you. I think you'll like it. Here you go. Like, ask your friends for recommendations of their favorite. That's a really good call on that. I mean, because you'll find those a lot of the times, like with the indie publishers as well. You're going to find things that, you know, maybe you are into like the Marvel characters, but maybe this is going to be a different story that is a little more. Uh, a little more into uh, your vibe and maybe something that you really like. And yeah, that artwork, it's retro and amazing. I love that look. I mean, and he did get it through the Kickstarter, but you can get it elsewhere now too. Yeah. It's available because I think, I forget which, uh, who picked it up, but someone's like, yeah, this is awesome. We need to pick this up. Nice. So a lot of different ways you can check out some of those things. Yeah. And also if you're like Rev, maybe you pick a villain. Right. Exactly. Like that was one of my favorite things was with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. And they had done a whole bunch of stuff with that. Tons of different ways to check things out. I know that they have the Marvel app as well or the DC app which has a lot of free comics that usually it won't be the full arc but it'll give you a couple of a uh, 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 couple of issues to see whether or not you're even interested in that. I know Amazon Prime is connected with Comixology. I think you have to pay separate for Comixology but some stuff is free on there yep. too so mm -hmm. it's nice to dabble in that way. Also figure out like who some of your favorite you know celebrities are. Kevin Smith 
you know, you think of him as a actor or even a filmmaker, but he has written for comics before as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. Funny enough, I will give you a little, not spoiler, but a little precaution. Uh, the way Kevin Smith talks is how he writes comics. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's a lot of dialogue. (laughs) So kind of think of that. Like, is there any nerdy celebrity you really love? Is there a comic book they love or could write? Or even like Seth Rogen is a huge comic book lover. He also, I think, put together Preacher and was it The Boys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He helped at the very least executive produce those uh, to get them on on the air. Right. So we take that, find out, okay, maybe I can find an article or two of some of my favorite celebrities and what they're reading or enjoy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if anybody else has any suggestions for uh, for Ryan or any of our listeners as well, let us know because we would love to throw those out there as well. Uh, moving on from that, we do need to talk some television. And we will start with um, The Book of Boba Fett. The third episode dropped last week. Right now, episode four is out there. Um, but, you know, you cannot have to worry about that yet. You can, uh, you know, maybe have maybe just watch that uh, episode three. Now you can listen to us talk about it and then go into episode four and see exactly what the heck is going on. Um, I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on this episode <laughs> because to be perfectly honest, it was fairly lackluster. Um, I, I think the, the, the my favorite part about this were the cameos, which we'll get into. Um, and I know Vicky hasn't seen it yet, so spoilers for a couple of mm. things. Um, but Joe, you kind of had the same sentiment as I, as we were discussing earlier. Dude, it's so funny. You and I both were like, hey, this is the episode where Boba Fett meets the Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it seemed very strange. Like the whole thing, it seemed like a couple of like fetch quests and then it very video gamey. And like it would be like a video game where you're like, I love this video game. I'm going to play it. And the last time you played it was like six or seven years ago. And the graphics were suddenly very lacking. And it was really confusing to me on that end. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I suspended it for a second because, you know, I'm pretty, you know, sour on most of these things. I like, you know, <laughs> political intrigue. So and yeah, Disney yeah, Plus yeah. shows don't generally focus on that. But this episode, I was like, is it my filter? Like, what's going on here? These don't look like they're moving right. They don't even look like they're pods. They look like they're yeah. just like weird vehicles that are stuck in 1995. And what we're talking about at this point is the uh, the the ultimate climax of the uh, this episode was a chase scene through um through the through the town where it was uh, a, 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 a well, like one of the speeders that you would see Luke in in the original series um, versus a couple of like smaller almost like I want to call them motorcycles but they're almost like like mopeds like yeah. it was like a a, a whole gang that um, Boba Fett had recruited to be on his team and with this chase it was like the least climactic lowest stakes going like 13 miles an hour through the town but they're trying to make it look like it's this high speed you know balls to the wall crazy chase you know like carts are overturning they're smashing into boxes and things are going crazy but it was just so like boring yeah it didn't it was an actual boring chase i was not like even like i'm like okay so this is a thing that's happening. All right, cool. Can we can we finish this? But when they finished the chase, the episode was over. So I'm like, oh, 
All right. Yeah, that was crazy. It was, I don't, uh, this is one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to blame COVID or something because it yeah. just cuts and you're like, what happened? And I mean, the the premise and like kind of the, 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 the setup for it kind of makes sense. I mean, after Jabba gets waxed, we know that there was a power vacuum that Bib Fortuna took over. Obviously, he's not going to have the power, so he ends up... Uh, basically, I guess delegating the the issues and the problems to three families, quote unquote, three mafia types uh, uh, in the town, so that they can can kind of control everything, and he just pay tribute to him, which is fine. So now we've set up that there's three different factions, but it really kind of even negated the last episode previous where we got to see um, Black Kersantan and then the giant evil Wookiee that BJ was losing his mind about, which yeah. collectively the internet did as well, and then the two huts. But they killed that storyline almost immediately by having the huts just like peace out saying, oh, there's a war coming. And, well, yeah, sorry we tried to kill you with Black Kyrgyzstan because that was probably the coolest fight scene in this was that whole fight where he was taking out Boba, which was a lot of fun. But it ultimately, like, really meant nothing. Yeah, it was so weird. And, like, they at the end of the episode, they have him captured and they're like, you know what? I could hire you to be a bodyguard. It would make a lot of sense. Or I could just say, exit stage left. And they did. And it's like, literally, you see this giant Wookiee who's this menace who's literally got, like, electrified brass knuckles, like, implanted into his skin. He's a badass. He's destroying everyone. And yet it's like, no, we're just going to let you run off. Maybe he'll be back. But it seemed, um, in terms of, like, what the Mandalorian did, where they'd show up, show a character for a little, for, like, an episode, and then just F off. Yeah. And it was like that. But you're not going to a different planet. You're just like, no, you can leave now. And then he leaves. And he does the stupidest, like, little shimmy off yeah! of screen. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, what is going on? So, and then, like, even, like, with the gang that he recruits, which was a good way to recruit a gang, but it felt like this episode could have been, like, I don't know, distilled down to, like, a couple of, like, cut scenes. And you would have gotten the whole point across because these this little biker gang, they first off, they modify themselves with droid parts, which I think is kind of cool, kind of cyberpunky, which is kind of neat. Um, but they're in the workers section and they're like, well, we're not working because there's no work because the Empire left the planet. Tatooine's kind of a wasteland again and you need to build it up. So he's like, OK, well, you can work for me. Which you're like, okay, but then you're talking about like the Power Rangers because each of them, they have to have different color of their little mopeds and <laughs> the weirdest, crappiest weapons. Like they're like, <laughs> like the worst little gang that he could have. Like if Bo- like Boba Fett's sitting there and after also having the Tuscans, which again got just written out because he went to go help with them uh, in the flashback and they just got gacked and taken away. Like, all of the things are just like, F off, that's all the past now. The huts are the past. Now the new thing is coming up with uh, the pikes, which, sure, okay, this makes sense in terms of moving the story forward, but you're literally killing all of his past like it doesn't matter now. Yeah, I was so confused because I thought the storyline was going to be that those Tuscan Raiders are going to become his crew. You know, because mm-hmm. it would make sense. Like, how does Boba come into power? Well, he recruits the, you know, indigenous people, essentially, who yeah. are getting suppressed, and they take over the town. No, in fact, instead, he goes to find the richest 12-year-old implanted cybernetic kids you've ever seen <laughs> in your life that have shiny moped bikes in a slave territory-owned area and recruits them to be his bodyguards, who then fight one of what I think is 
the most deadly bounty hunters of right. all time. The only thing that I'll say at this point in time is that I would love to ask like a seven-year-old and be like, how did you feel about this? Because if they think it's badass, then you know what? Like, I remember watching, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, thinking it was the greatest thing of all time. Then going back and watching those same cartoons and being like, wow, this is hot trash. Like, it might be something like that. And if it inspires kids to be really excited about it, awesome. That's cool. I just, it was a, it was a, it was a little off-putting for me. That was the same kind of thought that I had, too. It's like, it probably does do well for the kids, but my, but why not bring back pod racing, then? Pod racing was awesome. Oh, yeah, good call. And you know what? It's still on the table. We don't know what they're going to go to at this point. All will be forgiven if that happens. <laughs> so, yeah, episode three, kind of lackluster. I'm hoping that it'll be better future uh, in future uh, episodes, but eh, we'll see. It's not like I'm not going to keep watching it. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, still talking TV. Vicky, these yes. are shows that you love, and they are both quite dirty, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So we're kind of bundling them together. It would be Crossing Swords and Big Mouth. And um, Crossing Swords, you really wanted to get me into because, and I've I watched the first season, and I did. Oh, you did? I thought you yeah. only saw the first few episodes. Uh, maybe, maybe. I thought I saw a lot of them, but yeah, it was uh, it was a very entertaining show, very dirty, and done in a sort of like strange kind of old school animation style. It reminded me a little bit of like. Rudolph or Frosty or something like that. It is that stop motion. Stop motion, yeah. Animation. Thank you. It's it's not claymation though. They're these little wooden toy dolls, and yeah. it's the same people that brought you Robot Chicken, except it's not different types of toys. It's the same type of toy throughout. Yeah. These little wooden toys, and the it's one of those. It's an all star cast, and some of these you're like, oh, I don't recognize this voice. You look it up, I'm like, really? <laughs> the goofy imbecile of a king is voiced by Luke Evans. If you guys don't recognize the name Luke Evans, he was, he's a sexy man, and he's playing King Merriman, who's a dope. Oh, yeah. Look at that guy. He played in that really not-so-great Dracula Untold. He was Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, he was yeah. Shaw in Fast and the Furious, and he was also- He was in the Hobbit he, he was in the in Hobbit, the Hobbit. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in like, recently, he, he was in some news articles because he got ripped- on Instagram, he was showing it off. So, you know, you think of him as too fancy, too too pretty for something like this. And he plays and has said some of the most effed up stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those shows that, like, we were talking oh, about, hey, maybe have goodness. some kids watch uh, Star Wars and, like, yeah, Book of Boba no. Fett. Don't have kids watch this. No, 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 no. It, it is ridiculously filthy. And the second season came in. left Where it left off last season and full force. Let, let's see how much more... We can push these things. It's it's a lot of fun. It's silly. It's shenanigans. If you guys like Robot Chicken, you like it's based in old school times. You got Patrick, who's you know a squire now, dreaming of being a knight, but he's dealing with all these idiots. He thought he was going to be this regal and helpful person, you know, of honor and dignity. Where he's got you know King Merriman and his queen who cheat on each other, and they're just horn dogs with their bratty teenage daughter Blossom. Oh, man. I think she's played. Was it Aquafina? Oh no, it's Maya uh, Erskine, and she's just a phenomenal. You got a lot of big name actors. You got Ben Schwartz in this, Rob Cordry who plays the old king. Alfred Molina is only in one episode, but he plays Robin Hood. <laughs> Alana Ubek, Ubek, she she's one of those actresses you probably have seen. I think she was in, oh God, the the Reese Witherspoon movie. 
I keep saying Miss Congeniality in my head, but that is not true. Legally Blonde? Legally Blonde. Okay. She's one of the friends. She's that kind of bumbling idiot, but then she also did the voice of the grandmother in Coco. And she can not oh. only sing, she speaks Spanish, uh, but then you hear her as Queen Tulip and... Oh, my God, you are a foul-mouthed bee. <laughs> Patrick, of course, who is voiced by Nicholas Holt, you know, Beast in the newer X-Men movies. Oh, yeah. Seth Green, obviously, is in this as well. But everyone, like, you fall in love with some of these characters because they're just idiots. Like, Broth is probably one of my favorite characters. And, yes, his name is Broth. Oh, like the soup? Yep. Oh, wow. He's oh. like, it's the best part of the soup. If you forget, uh, like they always say, if you want to remember my name, like, nobody says that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part of the soup. Yeah, it's like uh, eighth times the charm, like the people say. Nobody says that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this a million times. <laughs> Tara Strong, you can hear her. At, she does multiple voices, but she mainly plays his sister Coral, as in Patrick's sister. And I love that broth. We were introduced to his sister this season. Guess what his sister's name is? What? Bisque. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was All like, right. okay, this is so freaking stupid. <laughs> but worth a watch if you love the filthy comedies. And, and it's on Netflix, right? This one's oh, on no, Hulu. Oh, no, it's on Hulu. You're right. Yeah, The yeah, one yeah. that's on Netflix is Big Mouth. And my yeah. friends were giving me crap. They're like, you haven't seen this latest season of Big Mouth? I'm like, I know, I know. I'm, I'm slacking. So I decided to put it on. Big Mouth is just, every se- season is phenomenal. It shows you all the insecurities and all the things you were thinking of as a teenager and amplifies them by like 20, 100. <laughs> uh, it's, if you guys haven't heard of Big Mouth, I can't describe it without getting censored. So I just say, <laughs> go to Facebook, look up a trailer to each season. And it, 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 they're based off these teenage, like preteens to teenagers and all their hormones going crazy. And they personify your hormones as a hormone monster. Mm-hmm. So you have yeah. this little hormone monster telling you to do these things. And sometimes it really feels like that. It's like, should I just cry for no reason and yell at people? Yeah, that sounds right. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, not really nerdy, but definitely, yeah. Like, I love the little tagline for the season. Love will F you up. True. And that is the best way to describe it. Have you guys seen any Big Mouth? Because this is, was the I have, I have, fourth I've, or fifth season. I have watched a, a couple of seasons of it. It is hilarious, but it is also uber dirty, too. So, and, I mean, and it's dealing with the childhood trauma that is puberty. So, yes. I mean, going through all that and remembering all of that is kind of triggering sometimes. And I think last season or the season before, because this is season five, they did a Valentine's Day special. This season, we get a very Big Mouth Christmas where they have... <laughs> Puppets. <laughs> really? <laughs> like your Muppet type puppets. So imagine the hormone monster as a puppet. Oh. Yeah, and it is, they they, they do not tone it down either. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so please check it out. And if you have any other adult type animated shows that you recommend. Vicky's all in on them. <laughs> well, like BJ recommended Inside Job, and I'm obsessed with that one now too. Oh, really? Like it's only got one season. I know we're supposed to get another season, and I've talked about it before. BJ's talked about the show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently recommended it to a coworker, and I'm very excited to hear what he has to say. It's the conspiracy theory one. That's yeah. right. That's right. I was trying to remember it. Literally, if you're a conspiracy theorist, maybe not watch this because they will make fun of you. <laughs> uh, but it makes fun of every single conspiracy theory by pretending they're all real. Yeah, like all and of them just, are actually real. So Sasquatch slash alien oh slash everything yes, is Atlantis real. Atlantis is real. It's like NASA spends a fortune, you know, photoshopping uh, Atlantis out of pictures. <laughs> and just little quips like that. Like you, you have to, I don't want to say you have to pay full attention, but after watching it multiple times, I'll pick up on things. I'm like, oh, ha, ha, I understood that. So please check them out. Let me know what you think.
And then uh, moving on from that, uh, going back into the fantasy realm, um, still on Netflix is The Witcher. Um, The second season has dropped, and uh, I know a lot of people out there have uh, binge-watched it, and stars uh, Henry Cavill as Mm. The Witcher. Yes, Vicky, simmer down over there. Um, And I've only watched very little of the first season, but Joe, you've completed both seasons, right? I have. How is it? Well, uh, I liked this season more, I think, than I liked season one. Is it just as confusing? No. Okay. So the first season did a lot of flashing back to set up the world, which is the wit- the witches and their past, and then how they interact with uh, Henry Cavill's character, mm-hmm. and then how Siri, who's the main character really of season two, how she's trying to become this force of, n- not nature, but destiny, if you okay. will. Yeah. Uh, so in the first season, it was kind of confusing. Because they didn't tell you they were flashing back. No, yeah, and it wasn't very well implied, and that was a Mm-mm. big criticism, which I do understand. I luckily am watching it with someone who's read the books, so he would fill so me in. So he can tell you as it's going. That's a good thing. You know, sometimes you need a Sherpa to help get you through all of this. Yeah, Um. so that yeah, I agree, though. First season, not as great as it could have been. But the second season doesn't do any of that. It's all one timeline happening at once. So you get all that's gone. Uh, and it follows, again, Siri as she is essentially in her power-up season where you're trying to figure out why this character matters. Because in season one, you were like, all right, there's this child that's shown up out of nowhere, and Henry Cavill's character has decided that he's going to be the father, essentially of a child that he you know, didn't bear. All right. <laughs> um, but it happens. Uh, season two is great for, you, for the people that didn't read the book, is essentially what I've been told. Oh, does it deviate pretty strongly from the books then? Well, I think what happened is, is that some of the characters in the book that were really well you know, done in terms of like, oh, this character is like a great father figure or the head witcher guy is like, oh, he teaches all these witchers how to, you know, become witchers kind of a thing. But then is not really portrayed well in the show because he kind of is, you know, a stumbling idiot and not very wise. You know, it didn't really get portrayed on screen as the way as the people who read the books wanted it to be. Okay, yeah. So I don't even know if the story deviated too much as, it, as more of the loved characters in the book weren't, you know, given their justice you know, in the show, which is weird because to me, I was like, oh, this, you know, is better than the first season. I'm liking the story better because it's easy to follow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they do the thing where one of the main characters loses their powers, has to get their powers has back. Has to figure out how to get it back. Okay, yeah. Which yeah. is always hard because, you know, you want them to be that badass that they were, but then they're kind of not. So you don't really want to follow them. <laughs> and so uh, that that was Yennefer's character. Unfortunately, she spent the whole time being corrupted by the Wicked Witch of the West, as I like to say, because a witch in a hut apparently drives this like storyline where these three witches want to gain power, but they haven't gotten power. I'm not going to spoil anything because it gets very complicated after that. <laughs> but uh, essentially, yes, yeah, Siri is uh, training to become, well, well, she wants to become a witcher, but she doesn't know what she is. But it go, the storyline follows her. Going to your witcher. Sorry. Right? <laughs> He's back with another great song as well. Yes. Um, but overall, there's uh, some twists, some turns, great CGI. This, okay, the sets and the costumes are probably going to win awards. Oh, they look It looks so good, just watching like the trailers and the cutscenes and stuff online. Yeah, it's like watching The Revenant, if you remember that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. A lot of nature shots, but it all like wraps around in the fantasy genre really well. So, I mean, that's the part I, I think appreciated the most. Um, like I said, storyline's way easier to follow, so you're not going to get lost. Um, but I think if you read the books, you will be disappointed. A little bit, you know? Well, it's just like what I said with The Wheel of Time. Just take it as a separate interpretation. Your books are still there. You can go back and reread them. Those stories are still intact. This is just 
again, a lot of the times you got to change things for television, whether it be storyline to fit into it or sometimes character development. So your books are still there. It just not might be this. It might not be the same iteration on the screen. Yeah, the battles are way cooler because you remember in season one, Henry's character wasn't necessarily Henry Cavill's character, Geralt, wasn't necessarily like the main focus. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, well, this is kind of odd. He's in the first episode, but then he's kind of here and there. He fights a lot more monsters in this season. It's the fight scenes in the first one were pretty badass. There were some ones where he was just in the town just laying waste of fools, and it was so cool. The choreography was solid. Yeah, and uh, you get the whole elf storyline this time, which is great because it really ties in well. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was surprised when I had found out that a lot of people didn't like this season. And this is one of the, like, the weirdest ones because critic-wise, it's very highly rated. But uh, review like uh, you know uh, not customers but uh, uh, nerds ner- <laughs> us viewers very yeah. low rated you yeah, know thirty huh. percent difference I think which is crazy and a lot of the times it's just going to be because it doesn't go the way that a they expected or yeah if it's deviating too far from the original story that might cause a big issue with a lot of people but if you're like me and you just love the fantasy genre or the sci-fi genre and you just throw yourself into it it's a really good payoff and I'm sure it's going to get more seasons I would imagine i mean it wasn't bad at all by any means you know but it really depends on exactly what happens in terms of the viewership because it's on netflix and they are real sticklers if it's not going to bring in new people they will dump it uh cowboy bebop only got one season because it was it was an iffy like i mean it wasn't the greatest show either and when you get too much of a deviation from what the story is from the original anime compared to what it was there with the live action it just it killed it it was basically dead in the water because nobody nobody really liked it and people the drop off from watching the first episode to the second was so significant so hopefully the fact that people love henry cavill people really love the witcher and the series altogether, even from the video games to the books maybe it will be able to survive into a season three hopefully i'm hoping i mean even if i mean i kind of know where the storyline's going now because I'm an idiot, and my friend was telling me about stuff, and I'm like, "Did you mean to tell me that? Because I don't think that happened in the season." <laughs> He's like, "Oh wait, no, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, mm, whoops." <laughs> yeah. That does make me feel better because I've been avoiding watching it, though, thinking it was going to be just as confusing as the first time around. So I've been trying to set aside time where I could focus on it, and knowing that I can let my little brain wander. Feels oh, better. Yeah. <laughs> it's way easier to follow because it's essentially mostly only around Siri. Like, Yennefer has her storyline where she's getting her powers back and stuff, but mm. pretty much mm-hmm. there's a little political intrigue with the witch's council mm. of we screw everything up and we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. But it's like <laughs> really blatantly obvious when they like do something and a plot point gets hit, they'll literally like stop and you it's zoom almost in. like pop up video. Yeah. yeah, it's like this oh, is a plot point. This person's about to betray this person. And you'll be like, okay, good. I didn't really need to listen to the last five minutes. <laughs> Uh, like, do you feel like Yennefer is more redeemed? I should say, I find I found her so whiny last season. Like, for, for without spoiling it, she's like, "Oh my god, it's everyone else's fault but mine for the choices that I made." Yeah, no, some it doesn't get that, much yeah. better for uh, her character. <laughs> good. Good, that's good to know going in. But that, but that is the thing about her character is she supposed it's it's a bad payoff. But that's the whole idea why she tries to get her powers back is she's supposed to make this whole like kind of like a knight's tale of getting like yeah. oh what does it mean to be an honorable witch and it's like 
Yeah, but like your whole the whole witch thing, you're all not very good at you know you know making a good world for people. So I don't really know if there's gonna be you're any redemption really for anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do recommend it. And again, if you just like to like you know the fantasy genre, it's gonna be like the highest budget you know CGI yeah, and all that. Amazing. And the fight scenes are good. Nice. You know, so awesome. Well, thank you for that. Now it is time for the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for us? I'm about to tell you something that is going to ruin families. Uh, okay, I, this is an interesting way to start off a geek sheet. I feel like there are two games that you can play with your family that will automatically cause feuds. Let me see if I can guess both of them. Okay, but I'm only I'm actually only talking about one of but them, but one, there are two of them. Uh, I'm going to say Monopoly and Risk. No. You are right with Monopoly, but that wasn't uh, Risk wasn't the one I was thinking of. Oh, really? What was the one it's, you were thinking it's of? It's a card game. Uno? Uno. Oh, okay, Uno. see, like, I, I was trying to think, it's like, which game has probably caused fights in Vicky's house? See, I never played Risk. Uno was our game. Yeah, yeah. It is that, our game. It still is, because you still even play Uno Smash, which is like a hyper-violent version of it. Uno Attack. That's right, Attack. Because it's, uh, instead of, uh, what is it, drawing the card, you push it, and then you might get zero, you might get ten. You don't know. Yeah, it's BS. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> side note, the actual way you're supposed to play Uno, and I never knew this is when you draw a card, like let's say you don't have a card to put down, you're only supposed to draw one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. you're not supposed to draw until you get it. You're just supposed to draw one. And that's how I've ended up with like 20 cards in my hands. Yeah, that's BS. Yeah. Those so, dumb house rules, man. However, there's been a lot of different variations of Uno. There's been like Dos, which I don't know how to play. I never played it. <laughs> but the newest one, because Uno Attack is a little different. They have like hit the button, you know, like sh- different versions because of the little mechanism thing you have. Yeah. But they have a new one called Uno All Wild. So as you can imagine, the entire deck is wild cards. It's like Captain Crunch, oops, all berries. Not all kind berries. Kind of. <laughs> it says, uh, according to Mattel, every single card is is wild for a fast-paced, even more unpredictable version of this family favorite. There's no matching of numbers or colors like regular Uno, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, right? So the game includes seven new wild cards. Wild Reverse, Wild Skip, Wild Double Skip, Wild Draw 2, Wild Draw 4, Wild Swap Hands, and Wild Target Draw 2. Wow, yeah. So depending on how many people are playing, you really have to be strategic with which card is used. For example, if only two people are playing and you use a Wild Double Skip... It skips the next two players instead of the traditional one, so you end up skipping yourself as well. So when the wild swap hands card is played, you must swap hands with another player. If a wild target draw two card is played, a player of your choice draws two cards, but does not lose their turn. This just reminds me of uh, with uh, BJ Shea's board game Alliance when it's uh, Sean versus BJ at anything. Oh my god! Like you just yeah. know exactly where Sean's going with all of his targetings. Mm-hmm. It's going to be BJ. He'll roll a dice, but it's always going to land on BJ. (laughs) Uh, So just like the traditional game, the moment you have one card in your hand, you must say Uno. However, if someone beats you to it and calls out Uno before the next player begins their turn, then you must draw two cards. Uno announced this new game on its official Twitter page, and people went crazy with the only wild cards. Yeah, I mean, the cards look cool, and I mean, it's just... Okay, so you're not doing the fundamental part of the game, which is the matching, but Mm -hmm. it... It's really, really very interesting, and I almost at this point, it's it reminds me of like with Cards Against Humanity, who would have the expansions that you could add. I could see like incorporating these 
mm-hmm. in like the all the different decks of Uno they have and just do like a whole Uno buffet where you just have a huge gigantic stack of Uno cards that are just mixed in with all of them. <laughs> that could be hilarious. So one of my favorite things to do when before COVID is I would always bring a pack of Uno with me. Like I tried Flux and other games. It just wasn't as good. But Uno... You go anywhere, and if you don't really know people very well, or you only know one person in the mm-hmm. group you're with, especially if you're at a bar or whatever, and you're sitting, you're not dancing or anything like that, you bring out that Uno, it becomes the greatest thing in the world. It's a great icebreaker game because most of the time, everybody has e- either at least played it or they know of it. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to sit there explain the rules. If it's, uh, like you said, in a bar situation, sometimes it's noisy. Mm-hmm. And you can still play it visually the whole time. So, no, that's a really good... And it's a great icebreaker game. Mm-hmm. Like like you just said, if you don't know a lot of people, people will come flock to you and be like, you're playing Uno, can I play? Although I remember, <laughs> this was a few years back, we went to Chicago for a work trip. And everyone out, everyone out went out drinking and stuff and dancing. And I didn't really feel like it. So I stayed in the bar with other radio people. And mind you, radio people from all over the country, mostly women wanted to play, but we had a couple dudes in there. And we kept playing to the point where I think we kept cheating, but (laughs) cheating in the way to keep the game to keep going. Oh, funny. Okay. So someone's like, oh, no, this person's going to win. And this girl kept passing me like draw two cards or something so I can make the next person whatever. (laughs) So we just kept it going. And to the point where it looked like a poker game because we had all these people around us watching like, when will this end? We last like an hour or two. Wow. It was forever. It was so much fun. Seriously, like I feel like I know it's your when people think of board games, when you're a board gamer, like you kind of shrug off the monopolies and the saris and stuff like that. But I feel like Uno, even though it's one of those, you know, basic games, it's a game that you can take anywhere and people are still going to enjoy it. It's not going to be like a chore to play. It's still going to be fun. It's lighthearted. And I think everyone needs to have this in their arsenal. And amazingly uh, portable. Like, we've seen a lot of the pocket games out there, and there's some amazing pocket games. But this is, other than just carrying around a deck Mm -hmm. of cards with you, which I do a lot, this is even a better idea on that. Because, like I said, Mm -hmm. everyone basically knows how to play Uno. And my mistake, I went to Europe years ago when I was, like, 24, and I wanted to make friends as I went along. And I was like, oh, I'll bring some card games with me, and I can play with people. And I decided to bring my Pirate Flux game and nobody knew what it was. And I said, hey, I have yeah. a card game. And someone's like, oh, you have Uno? And I regret not bringing uh, Uno with me. Yeah, because so. like, just like a lot of Euro games out there, because of all the language barriers they have, mm-hmm. you, you can tell Uno because big numbers, colors, shapes, There's like you no can get words. through it. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can get through it and figure out exactly what has to happen. It's it seriously... I need to make a list of like every game. Like if you're going to be a collector, like games that you need to have. Yeah. Oh man. That is definitely I one of go them. Home like... and play Uno. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I have not really played too many board games yeah. in the last two years. And I was taking down my Christmas decorations, and I had to like I had a bunch of decorations around my board games, and I'm just looking at you like soon, baby, soon. <laughs> <laughs> All of my board games are literally up in my attic. Aww. Like I, there's like I have like two of them. It's like the boxes are the ones I want to definitely keep, and then there's the box like it's even deeper that are like the ones that like, oh, if anybody wants these, so I might have to do some wah, board game wah. trading with some people. I'm just imagining your two cats playing board games in your attic. See, here's the deal: I can't play a lot of board games in my house. 
and especially any legacy game because of cats. Yeah. It's the same reason why I don't do puzzles. I would love to do puzzles in the house. I'm not doing puzzles because of my cats. Yeah. Uh, that is like me, but with a little brother. Yeah. I, I have oh, a bunch yeah, of puzzles yeah. I want to you do. But I can't leave him out because no. then the little brother comes over and he's like, what's this? I'm it's on the help. floor. Yeah, I want to help by throwing it away. Yeah, that's why I don't do laundry when he's around because he's like, I'm going to help on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. You're not helping that's at all. That's not where that goes. No. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Hmm. Well, let me know if uh, there's any other board games you suggest that should be in our arsenal or any that you love to travel with. Yeah. Let us know. And until next time, stay nerdy. <laughs>